A wanted man locked himself in a hotel room. What's more, a woman was being held hostage, furniture flying out a broken window. There were concerns of another mass shooting. It was a dangerous ordeal in the city of sin. Vegas police were called at the prestigious Caesars Palace on Tuesday morning. A man forced a woman into his hotel room and threatened to shoot whoever tried to open his door. Furniture was reported to be flying out a window several stories high. A SWAT team was called to try to resolve the hostage situation. Then after a five-hour standoff, authorities were able to detain the man. The chaos of Vegas may just be the closest we can get to Rome in the first century. But in the midst of excess, the decadence, the chaos, there is a need that only Jesus can satisfy. A need to belong, to be accepted, and to be saved. Welcome to Haven Today, here on a Friday. I'm Charles Morris in July, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're wrapping up a series called 10,000 Miles with Paul. What comes to your mind when you hear the word Rome? The ancient city can hardly be talked about without merging history and myth. Emperors and the mighty Roman army, gods and goddesses. It was the seat of an empire, a hub of the most influential political ideas of the day. Great feats of architecture, the Pantheon, the Colosseum, grand buildings told the story by their very own sculptures. Rome dominated the world. Rome had come to dominate the world, they said, because the gods were on their side. Emperor Julius Caesar himself was treated like a god, and his adopted son, Octavian, like a son of a god. Rome wasn't just a place. It had become a symbol of power and of strength. And it was where the Apostle Paul knew he had to go. What possible threat could the Christian gospel pose against such strength? That's precisely what David Suchet learns in talking with two scholars in the documentary called In the Footsteps of Paul. Paul coming to Rome, he would have come into a pagan society. How did the pagans regard Christians? Christians were quite threatening because, of course, the pagan religion was not a religion in the sense that we know religion, in that it was not divorced from the state. And indeed, the state was intimately involved in the religion. I see. So you're really talking, if you're saying that he denies the pagan gods, it's, it's really treason, because it's really denying the emperor and his power. It may seem to us that Christians wouldn't be that threatening. You know, no. what is it in the message that's so threatening? But it is that denial of the emperor, denial of the gods. He is announcing that Jesus is Lord. And we know in the Roman Empire there's only one Lord, and he is Caesar. So if someone starts saying, ah, this Jesus, this Jew from Galilee, we believe he is the Son of God, and he continues to reign, he has power. Ah, are you implying that his power is conflicting with that of Caesar? Yes. Wow. Oh, that's political. That's very political indeed. And he, he's brought before these, the authorities for this political charge. He's not going to back down. 
he's not going to suddenly change his tune and say, this isn't what I believe. Of course it is. And ultimately, that's what gets him killed. British actor David Suchet speaking with two of the many scholars he met as he followed in the footsteps of Paul. We're going to look at Paul's letter to the Romans in the next few minutes, and specifically about his reference to Christians being sons of God. It had a very significant meaning in that day, as well as this day. Then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the two-part documentary In the Footsteps of Paul. It's a documentary originally aired on the BBC. It'll take you to places Paul traveled to, like Rome, and Jerusalem, and Antioch. This documentary will bless you as you watch, but also help you better visualize God's Word, the Bible. And before you call or go online, would you pray about how generous of a gift you could give? The number to call in a few minutes is 800 654 2836. That's 800-654-2836. Or come to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now, here's Matthew West opening this Haven Today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, Matthew West from an album called Jesus Firm Foundation and a haven today called 10,000 Miles with Paul. I'm Charles Morris. Now, I want us to go to southeastern Pennsylvania, a young man who's 18 years old. He's learned to memorize the scripture. He took a year off after high school before he started college at Lancaster Bible College. He worked with a ministry that's all about reciting God's word by memory, piercing word ministry. Brad Meyer is his name. Let's listen to him recite for us, yes, by memory, the tail end of Romans 7 and the beginning half of Romans 8. For, for I, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I, 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 I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and, 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 and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from, from, the, from the law of, 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 of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. For, for by, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order, that, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For, for to... to, to to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is, is hostile to God. Right? It, it, it does not submit to God's will. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Right? Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If, if he, if, if, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we, we, we are debtors, right? Not, not, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the, the, the spirit of, of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
The tail end of Romans 7 and Romans 8 recited for us by Brad Meyer, who happens to be on with us, and he lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's a student at Lancaster Bible College. Brad, I've known you since... Who knows how young you were, but uh, maybe eight years old, seven years old, but welcome to the program for the first time. Thanks so much, Charles. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, I've got to ask you how you did that. I mean, as I was listening to you, I got the sense that you felt like you were the Apostle Paul. Am I right in that? Yeah, that would that would be mostly correct. Um, so when I, when I set out to memorize the whole book of Romans, I, I memorized the, the whole book. I did it from the perspective of an actor, or I tried to anyway. Uh, when I was memorizing, I would um, recite the verses over and over and over again. But while I was doing it, I would try to think of what Paul's perspective was. I would try to put myself in Paul's shoes um, and think about the emotional intention behind what he was saying. Um, because obviously the scripture is the inerrant word of God, but it's also Paul's word. And it comes from Paul's perspective and is infused with Paul's personality. And one of the things that I noticed as I was um, memorizing through Romans was how much Paul deeply cares about both the Gentiles and especially his Jew- Jewish brothers and sisters. And that was, especially in, in, uh, in Romans chapters, chapter 9, it, it begins by Paul saying that he uh, has great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart, and that he could wish that he himself were cut off from Christ for the sake of his Jewish brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And that, when you read it, normally, I don't think you fully get the the, the full impact of it as when you, you come at it from an actor's perspective. Paul cares about his Jewish brothers and sisters so deeply that he could wish that he himself were cut off from Christ, if only that mm-hmm. meant they could be saved. Mm-hmm. And the whole book is just infused with that passion um, for the Jews and the Gentiles and the reconciliation between them. And that's something that I really tried to um, dig in on uh, when memorizing it and then also performing it. Mm, That's a good point. You memorized Romans in the basement of your home outside Lancaster, surrounded by Amish farms. I've been there. I've been in (laughs) in your house before. Give me a few nuts and bolts on how you memorized it, because I'm sure some people would like to know that. Sure. There's a lot of different ways you can memorize. There's a lot of different tips and techniques. So it, what works for one person won't work for everyone. For me personally, I um, repetition, reading it out loud over and over and over again while pacing <laughs> around. I, I did it in my basement. Um, I did it uh, outside sometimes. I would go outside and do it. But uh, for me, the biggest thing is, is reading it out loud um, and just repeating it over and over again. Um, and then also approaching it from that perspective of an actor and trying to um, think about the emotional intention behind it. And that kind of makes it stick. When I can connect the verses and the words to an emotion or to an intention, it makes it easier to recall later. And it, it gave me a whole new understanding to the text. Um, when, you, when you understand the perspective of the author, it, it changes how you understand, understand it. It's, it's awesome. I think you caught it. Brad Meyer, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, thank you so much for sharing God's Word with us and then sharing how you memorized God's Word and learned more about it. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. It's been great 
seeing Brad Meyer grow up over the years. His father is the manager of WDAC in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where Haven Today is heard every morning. Paul's journey to Rome was one more important way that Christ's witnesses went to the ends of the earth, just as Jesus himself said in Acts 1. Rome was significant to Paul. He was the apostle to the Gentiles, and Rome was the Gentile capital of the known world in the first century. Even while he was still in Ephesus, he told us in Acts 19.21, I must also visit Rome. Did you hear the urgency? I must visit Rome. Even to the end, Paul was still on a mission. But before he got there, he wrote the Roman Christians a letter. The letter to the Romans is considered by many to be the clearest explanation of the gospel in the entire New Testament. And what can we say about Romans 8? There's so much in this chapter. But I want to focus in on a topic we've already heard a little bit about. The emperors were seen as divine, even as sons of God. But Paul had something a little different to say. Earlier, we heard Brad Meyer recite a portion from Romans 7 and 8. He has the entire book of Romans memorized. I'm quite jealous, Brad. But let's take a look closer at a handful of these verses. Romans 8, 12 through 17. What's the dominant theme in those verses? Christians being sons and daughters of God. Paul saying in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, and that means daughters too. This is a promise for every Christian. If you're in Christ and have the Holy Spirit, you're a son of God. Like Paul said to the Galatians, in Christ there is no male or female. His grace makes us God's children, all of us. Remember that Paul was writing this specifically to the Christians in Rome. They understood the significance of every word he spoke. They knew that to be a, a son of God in Rome meant you had to be the emperor himself. But for Paul, becoming a son of God had nothing to do with Caesar and everything to do with God's Holy Spirit. He told us in verse 15, you have received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this is that great Christian doctrine of adoption. Think of what we are apart from Christ. We're flat out rebels. We're traitors to God. Paul himself says we're slaves to sin. But in Jesus Christ, by faith in him, we're no longer slaves, but we're children of God. It may seem hard to believe at first, but this status is better than being the emperor. It's better than any high status we can think of. Paul's saying in verse 17 that if we are children of God through the Spirit, then we are also heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Just pause for a moment there. Don't let this pass you by too quickly. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are an heir with Jesus Christ. His inheritance has become your inheritance. Well, what has Christ inherited? All things, we're told. He's the king of all creation, the king over the universe. He's the natural son of God. He doesn't have to earn anything for himself. The inheritance belongs to him. 
The beauty of the gospel is that Christ has put our name on the will right next to his name. We are heirs right along with him. Now, how can this be? It can't be because we deserve it. We're still sinners. It's only because he paid the price of our sins and offered us his own righteousness before God. The eternal Son of God has made sure that we will be called his children, too, on that great day when he returns. The Christians in Rome were used to hearing, Caesar is Lord. But they had a different slogan, Jesus is Lord. They knew that military might and political authority didn't make anyone a child of God. Not only the Spirit of God freely given to those who believe can do that. And if a child, then an heir. And if that's you, all that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. You too will inherit it. Holiness, righteousness, even everlasting life, they're all yours. A new heavens as well as a new earth. They are yours, but only in Jesus Christ. No matter the social or political crises going on in our world, and our world is full of them, you can find your rest for your soul and all your life in these promises given to us by Jesus Christ. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong Perfectly a great high priest whose name is love Whoever lives and pleads for me My name is graven on his hands My name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands No tongue can bid me thence depart Tongue can bid me this When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see. My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on Him and pardon me To look on Him and pardon me Behold Him there, the risen Lamb My perfect spotless righteousness my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Selah, before 
the throne of God above. I'm Charles Morris on Haven Today, a program called 10,000 Miles with Paul. I'd like to invite you to follow in these footsteps of the Apostle to the Gentiles. And you can do this by watching the two-part DVD that's called In the Footsteps of Paul. It's hosted by British actor David Suchet. You heard him earlier in the program. Originally, the documentary was made for the BBC, and it'll help you read your Bible with a new sense of realism as you see and visit so many of the places Paul saw as he planted the young church of Jesus Christ. It's almost as good as traveling there yourself. Would you call us right now for your copy of In the Footsteps of Paul? Pray about how generous the Lord wants you to be. Here's the number to call right now, 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836, or go make your gift there at our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And one other thing, we're looking for Haven Partners. Ask about that when you call us, or read about it at our website, when you go online. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? When again, we'll be together and we'll get to share the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Stuff, stuff, I'll say it, more stuff. That could be the short story to consumerism in the West. We're fed promises all day, every day, that if we could only get more and more, more money, more stuff, more property, then we would be happy. It's an ancient promise. Jesus knew about it too. He rejected Satan's offer of this promise, and he taught his people to do the same. Matthew 16, what does it profit you if you gain the entire world, yet lose your soul? The answer is nothing. It's not good to gather more and more if your soul is lost in the process. Rather, follow the way of Jesus. Service and devotion, help to the hurting, that is true profit. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.